always wanted to go. There is nothing quite like uh, the shakenness that we feel in our identity than when we're pulled from home. There's something, there's something about it. And that's exactly what happened to Judah, the people of Israel. They had been taken from their home. They had been taken from Jerusalem. The biblical word for it is called exile. It was the time when they were pulled from their home, literally. Jerusalem and the whole territory around them was ransacked and completely obliterated and ambushed by the Babylonian army and the evil king Nebuchadnezzar. They completely destroyed everything around there. The God who had protected the Israelites from the Egyptian army as they passed through the desert and even through the Red Sea had lifted that protection after centuries of disobedience. They had wanted to do things their own way and God said, fine, fight a battle your own way and see how that goes. The Babylonians took articles that were meant for worship as plunder for winning the battle. They eventually even destroyed the mighty temple. And then, then they exiled them. They literally took them from their home. They literally gathered up most of the Israelites in captivity and deported them to live in exile in Babylon, where there was no Jerusalem, where there was no temple, where there was no family. And they had to wonder, maybe there was no God. They had lost their identity. Now, we haven't been exiled from our homes. We're exiled in our homes. And we're losing a little bit of our identity. This is some of the questions that we're asking. Will things ever get back to normal? Will we ever get our lives back? Will the new normal, that's a term we keep hearing, right? Will the new normal be the real normal? Will this happen again? Will things get worse in the fall or will it happen again in the winter with the new virus? Two months ago, just two months ago, we knew who we were. But now, something's happened. When our plans changed, we changed. When our plans changed, we changed. The vision of what we thought our senior year changed, so we changed. And for those of you that are seniors in high school and college, that's going to shape your identity. You're part of a generation that lost a senior year. Our summers changed. Chris talked about losing summer mission trips. And maybe you've had some vacations that have changed or a sports season that you'd worked so hard or a big, a big moment in your business's history, and that changed. When our plans changed, we changed. Everything's changed. Easter changed. And you celebrated an Easter unlike any you've ever celebrated before. And now even church has changed. This just changed us. And when our plans changed, we changed. The way we work has changed. We used to, like, put on jeans or slacks. Now we put on flannel pajama pants to go to work, right? <laughs> this has changed us. Do you remember those pieces of paper that you had that you wrote down? 
Just look at them real quick. Those are changes. And this will change us for the future. Most of us did not have memories of bare shelves when we walked into a grocery store. Oh, sure, maybe we had those times when we had bad weather planned and the milk and eggs and bread were gone, but we never walked into a grocery store and seen the canned goods gone, seen the toilet paper gone, seen the cleaning supplies gone. That's just not the way we've lived our lives. And now that's etched into all our memories. It's a season that has changed us. And when there are uncertain times, when there is crisis, People are trying to figure out who to listen to. And they're certainly looking for answers, and they're hoping to find hope. Judah had two main voices, Jeremiah and Hananiah. They were two prophets giving answers and giving hope to mostly a king named Zedekiah. So they all had eyes, Jeremiah, Hananiah, Zedekiah. Those all kind of rhymed together. And Zedekiah was the main one that mattered because King Zedekiah would make the decision for what the people uh, did. But everyone was trying to figure out who should we listen to? Should we listen to Jeremiah? Should we listen to Hananiah? Because their messages were drastically different and their messages would determine the behaviors of the people. So I want you to listen to what Hananiah said, he gave a prophecy right at the beginning. This is right at the beginning of this exile, right at the beginning when most of the population has been deported and exiled into Babylon. Into Babylon. But there are a few left in Jerusalem, and this is a part of the group. Hananiah and Jeremiah and Zedekiah are a few of the left. They haven't come back to get Zedekiah. They've taken his father who was king, and his grandfather, who was king, into captivity. They're already in Babylon. And listen to what Hananiah says. This is his prophecy. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. Two years. I will also bring back all the other exiles from Judah who went to Babylon declares the Lord. Two years. I mean, it's not quick, but it's not bad. As far as wars go, two years, not too shabby. I mean, two years, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Boy, that's a term we keep using. Two years, it seems like a long time. We can't imagine going through this for two years, but in their time, the wars that they fought that lasted years and decades and seasons of political and social unrest, two years was nothing. They could count that out. I mean, look, that's what, 730 days? Let's just start marking them off. Two years. Okay, I like that, two years. And then Jeremiah comes, and he, he, has, uh, he has something besides two years. He has a different prophecy. His prophecy is... 70 years. Can you imagine the first time he said that? Did you say seven years, Jeremiah? No, no, I said just, I said 70. I, okay, you said 17 years, right? Well, that's a bit more. No, 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 King, King Zedekiah. No, no, I didn't say 17. I said 70 years. 70. Now, who do you think Zedekiah wanted to listen to? Which prophecy do you think was the most popular? Of course, it was Hananiah's. In fact, 
the Jews even tried to figure out a way to have him killed, to have Jeremiah killed because this prophecy was so bad, because this prophecy was so painful to even think about. They, they didn't want to listen to that. You know, this is, a, this is a thing that we're struggling with right now in crisis. We're trying to figure out, who do we listen to? Do we listen to the people who say what we like to hear, what we like to hear and want to hear? What are the voices that we should be listening to? Because in crisis, just like the Jews, we have the same struggle. We're asking a lot of questions right now. Do we listen to Fauci and Burks and Adams, the Surgeon General? That works if they all agree. What if they disagree? Do we listen to what President Trump says? Or do we listen to what Governor Ivey says? What if they disagree? We're already seeing states that are doing things contrary to what the president says. Which one do we listen to, our governor or to our president? Should we turn our attention to maybe a different voice? Should we start listening to former Vice President Biden? Who do we listen to? Do we listen to what Fox News says or CNN or MSNBC? Which one's telling the real truth? Do we listen to the CDC and the World Health Organization? Hopefully they're saying the same things. What if they're dead? No, 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 no. I know where we can listen. I know. If you want to get the truth, that's easy. You go to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, right? Because <laughs> if it's on social media, it has to be true. Who do we listen to? Isn't it interesting? Thousands of years ago, the Jews were going through a crisis and they had multiple voices telling very different messages. One saying, it's going to be two years, and one saying, no, it's going to be 70 years. And they didn't know who to listen to. They struggled with the same thing. And right now, we got voices, voices, voices in us. Do we listen to those who say it's time to reopen or those that say a second wave will be worse? Which one do we listen to? Do we listen to those who say that our health care system is stretched too thin? Or do we listen to those that say that hospitals are losing money because of the lack of elective surgeries and furloughing nurses and doctors? Do we listen to those who say we're taking this too seriously or those who say who we're not taking it seriously enough? Do we listen to those that say you should wear a mask every time you go out or say the mask is nonsense? Which ones do we listen to? Do we listen to those who say that we should be worried about the economy or those that we say we should be worried about human life. And can't we be worried about both? Who are you listening to? What, what are the voices right now that are shaping you? Or is, is who you're listening, and here's a better question, is who you're listening to giving you more hope or more anxiety? Maybe you should change who you're listening to. So Jeremiah writes a letter under the inspiration of God, from Jerusalem to the exiles in Babylon. He sends it with a messenger. And this is what he tells them. He says, listen, you need to settle in there. Build houses, plant fields, get married. Pray for the prosperity of the community. Basically, be faithful where your feet are, right where you are. And then he, he pens some incredible words in Jeremiah 29, if you got your Bibles there and, you're, and you're, you've been reading along. 
In verse 8, he says this. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to people like Hananiah. And Hananiah wasn't the only one. There were a lot of voices, just like we have a lot of voices. Don't let them deceive you. And then he writes something that I had to read twice. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Did you catch that? I read that the first time. Now, if you're just me, do you read that the first time? Do not listen to the dreams they encourage you to have. That's how I read it the first time. Is there anybody else that read it that way the first time? It, not, it doesn't say that. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. In other words, what you want, there is so much pressure into what you want, into the way you see this working out, into the answers that you want to hear, that you actually put pressure on them to tell you what you want to hear. Hello? You think that's still alive and true today? That's what he says. That there is political pressure because of how many there are of you to make them tell you what you want to hear. You shape their dreams and their visions and their prophecies. They are not telling you the truth. They are telling you what you want to hear. These are the dreams that you have encouraged them to have. And then he says this. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. I have not sent them. They're telling you what you want to hear. They're telling you what you, you want to be true. But listen, this is God's message through Jeremiah's letter. Listen to me. And I wonder, I wonder, if we just said, you know what, we're going to take a pause from all those voices, from all the politicians, from all the health officials, from turning off, hey, put down the phone this afternoon and take a walk on this beautiful day. Turn off the TV and sit in a chair and reflect for a minute. Because what God is saying to them, I think he's saying to us, listen to me. Listen to me. And this is what he says in verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed, it's going to take longer than you hoped. It's going to take longer than you want. It's going to feel like, like more than a lifetime. It might, it's going to take two generations but when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I've been telling you this from the beginning. It's not what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. I will fulfill my good promise. You can count on God to keep his promises. You can count on God to do what he said he was going to do. You can't always count on the government. You can't always count on your plans. You can't always count on your help. 
You can't always count on the economy, but you can always count on God. Somebody in their home needs to say it with me right now. You can always count on God. That's what Jeremiah wants to say to him. You can count on God. Trust me. And then Jeremiah pens his most famous line. Pastor Bill talked about it in his prayer for us. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you. You don't know them. <laughs> you can't see them. You can't comprehend them, but, but trust me. I know them. I know the plans. I have a plan, and I'm working a plan. It's easier to believe God has a plan when you can see it. And it's easier to see it when it happens quickly. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan. And just because you're waiting doesn't mean God's not working. And just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean God isn't working for good. And just because it hurts in the present doesn't mean that there is not hope for the future. In fact, hope is simply this. Hope is believing God is planning good when the present is bad. Hope is believing that I can't see it. I can't understand it. I can't comprehend it. I don't even know it's there. But hope is believing that God is planning good when the present is bad, when the present doesn't feel right, when the present hurts, that I believe that God is doing something, is planning something good for me in the future. This is what hope is. That's what it means to trust in Jesus, just like we sang, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Do you trust Him? This is what it means to have faith. Faith doesn't mean we always have proof. It means that we believe things that don't always make sense because we have seen God do it in the past and we believe God will do it again in the future. This is hope. This is trust. This is what faith is. Let me tell you a cool story. It happened. It happened. Seventy years passed, and Israel finally got to go back to Jerusalem. The Babylonians were eventually defeated by the Persians, and Cyrus, king of Persia, encouraged the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to settle in and rebuild the temple again. Though it wasn't quite as glamorous or had as quite as much splendor as it did in the first but it turns out, it turns out that it wasn't even the temple in Jerusalem that was the whole purpose anyway. Matthew, who wrote the very first book of the New Testament, it's on the first page of your New Testament. Matthew, who was a disciple of Jesus and who was an eyewitness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, wrote his book to a Jewish audience. 
It was his heart to show his brothers and sisters that he had grown up with in the culture and the religion that he had grown up in, how Jesus was a part of their greater story. So the first whole page of his book about Jesus is a genealogy of Jesus' life. It's a huge list of names, that some of which are really hard to pronounce. But at the very end, he summarizes that genealogy. And there's one piece in that whole list of dozens of names that's not a name, but a season. Listen to what Matthew writes. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. The Savior was born from your father Abraham. And your, the Savior was born from the mighty king and victorious David. But the Savior, our Savior, was also born from our most difficult and hardest season in our culture, in our history, and for our ancestors. And isn't that the story of God? That out of exile comes a Messiah. Out of a grave comes a risen king. Out of persecution and being scattered by the Roman Empire comes exponential growth of the church to become a movement that now the Roman Colosseum where Christians were killed is just an artifact that people go and visit, but the center of the Christian world is in Rome, the place that had killed the Christians in the first place. And I believe that out of canceled worship services, worship can bring revival in our homes because we are worshiping on our couches in ways we had never done before. And I believe, listen here, listen, 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 that out of quarantine, God can bring the fulfillment of his plan in your life. And he has a plan. God had a plan for the Jews, and God had a plan for Jeremiah, and God had a plan for Jesus, and he's got a plan for you. That's hope. Our hope is believing God is planning good when the present is bad. And I don't know how bad the present is for you, but I know for some of you it's bad. I know some of you have lost a job or you've lost enormous amounts of income and you're wondering how you're gonna make it. Some of you are worried about your health or a loved one's health. Some of you have dealt with COVID-19. Some of you are anxious because you can't see friends and family and you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Our hope is that in the midst of all this, God is planning something good. God is planning to do something in your life. Will you trust? Will you trust God 
is doing something in you and through you. Even if it takes 14 generations for it all to make sense. Listen, maybe exile is just part of our story. But our hope is that God's not just writing any story. He's writing a good story. Our hope begins in hope that's not just a fantasy or a dream. Our hope is alive. Our hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And he proved that no matter how hopeless it seems or dead it looks, God is working on a resurrection in my life and yours. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've proven to us that we can count on you. And my prayer, Lord, my heart today is for my brothers and sisters who are watching all across the world. And I don't know where they're all at, but I know some of them are in a season of exile. They're exiled from their jobs. They're exiled from their family. They're exiled in isolation. And they're wondering if you're planning something good. And God, I just pray that you'd speak to their heart today. A new hope. In Jesus' name.